This is the Big Church Podcast. We believe that people of all ages and races can belong. No matter what you've done, no matter where you've been, you are loved and wanted. This is the example that Jesus set, and we won't quit until everyone, everywhere, knows that you are made to belong. We will grow together in the truth of God's love, believing that He has good for us. We believe everyone has a purpose, and no one is too young or too old to join Jesus in bringing life to this world. We are better together. This is the Big Church Podcast. I'm going to talk over the next couple of weeks about walls. So I'm going to talk to you about tearing some walls down and also about building some walls up in the ne- next week. But, you know, I, I did, I've been doing pretty good on my diet and my exercise until Thursday. <laughs> you, ever, you ever had a cheat day and it turned into 72 hours instead of... Uh, well, mine turned into Thursday, Friday, and Saturday, and I went to a couple's dinner last night, and I drank a, a glass of sweet tea. Anybody like sweet tea in the house? Come on. And I drank that glass of sweet tea, and I swear it, it was like liquid cocaine or something. I was, I was drinking, and I was walking around. I was buzzing all over the place. I was like, this stuff is pretty good. I said, here, fill my glass up. She says I had three glasses. I only had two, but I was really kind of buzzing off, but I'm going on. Here we go. But what I did is I kind of did good, but I hit a wall in my workout. I hit a wall in my diet. And you know, my walls are not that big, and I'm really motivated. It's always so good to work out with someone else, right? It's always good because you have somebody. I work out over here next door to Karate Studio by myself, and um, I don't really motivate myself very good because I'll get to like eight, and I'll go, eight, nine, and I know I got one more, and I'll say, oh, that's good for this, this one. I got you. No problem. But we need someone behind us to push us to go to 10. We need someone beside us to push us to go to 11 and 12 and 13. I got news for you. You got 15 in you. You just gave up on nine. I'm I'm talking to myself this morning. But I'm going to recap the story here real quick. I'm going to tell you a little story this morning. I may be a little choppy with it, but we're going to get through it. But a few weeks ago, I started talking about the children of Israel that got led out of Egypt in bondage, and they stood at the Red Sea, and God parted the Red Sea, and they walked through on dry land, and they had to go through wilderness. And let me tell you, y'all talked about our wilderness. Sometimes you got to go through the wilderness to get to the promise of where God wants you to go. And now here they are standing at the Jordan, and they're looking across, and, and, and they're trusting God to get them from point A to point B. But anytime you have a promise of God, anything that God has developed something in your life, you're going to have obstacles and you're going to have things, oppositions to keep you from going. I want, to, I want to enlighten you. Someone said this to me in the first service. They were talking about that, you know, sometimes I feel like when I'm doing the right thing, they always feel like there's something coming against me. Can I help, can I help you out this morning? Sometimes opposition is not always because you're in sin. Sometimes opposition is always because you're not doing something wrong. Opposition could come when you're doing something right. And a lot of times what we do is we feel that and we shrink back and we think, oh my gosh, what am I going to do? Well, I'm going to tell you what, when you start feeling the opposition, that's when you need to go forward to your promise. So I'm going to read this story for you too. Joshua 2.1. They are standing at the Red Sea. I'm sorry, the Jordan. Now Joshua, the son of Nun, sent out two men from Achaia Grove to spy secretly, saying, Go view, say, go view. go view. Go view the land, especially Jericho. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and they lodged there. Here is what he's trying to get him to see. Sometimes in our own life, we're only standing there and we're looking at a Red Sea, right? 
Sometimes when we look at the circumstances and situations in our life, all we can see is what's right in front of us. What he's trying to do is he's trying to take them to look ahead. He had already said this. He wasn't concerned with the Jordan. He already saw past what God was about to do there. He already saw lands that were going to be conquered. He already saw cities that were going to be taken. He wanted the people to understand, not get caught up with what's in front of you. A lot of times the enemy keeps us standing at the shore and, and wishing we could have done this and doing all of that stuff because all we can see is what's right in front of us. His job was to lead with vision, and he wanted people to see what he saw. Two services. We're, we're doing this, you know? And so far, it's been successful. since our first one. It's been successful. But we see much bigger than that. We see three services. We see four services. And not because we want to have just a new number of people, but we do but because we want people to be able to encounter God. So now we're giving them two opportunities. We can't do this. We can't do this alone. I've said this many, many times. You know, this is not my vision or Pastor Mindy's or Pastor Kagan's vision. This is our vision. This is what God wants you to do. And you ain't got involved yet. Well, I'm going to tell you what, we're going forward and you can get involved. Well, let me tell you, let me, let me give you some more things. The two spies get sent out. He said, I want you to go view the land and I want you to come back and give me a report. So let's look at verse 1. So they went, it's back at verse 1. So they went and they came to the house of a harlot named Rahab and they lodged there. Wow, all of the religious folk in the house is probably going, uh-oh, what are they doing in that house? Come on, y'all know what I'm talking about. You're like, them, them, them men of God should not have been in that house. God could have picked any house in Jericho. He could have picked any house for them to go in and have security in and do the things, but he picked hers. You know why he picked her? Because 1 Corinthians 1.27 says this, but God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. God uses un unusual people and unusual circumstances to fulfill his plan. Sometimes it ain't what you're, what you're looking at. You know, again, people were thinking, what in the world were those guys being in that kind of house with? But I'm going to let you know something today. Don't let your past, don't let your failures, don't let your circumstances or your situations keep you from going to the place where God wants you to go. She's a prostitute. She's a hoe. Hey, hey I'm used to preaching to, to teenagers too, so y'all got to give me a little break. But I mean, he could have chosen anybody. But he chose her. Do you know why? Because at the end of it, she was not going to get the glory in the, what was going on. At the end of it, because her life wasn't so great, she knew, they, God knew that he was the one going to get the glory for it. Let me tell you this. So the king hears that they're there, and she hides them on the roof. And when she does, in verse 9, she says to the men, she said, I know that God has given you the land, that the terror of you has fallen on all of us, and that all of the inhabitants of the land are faint-hearted because of you. Here's what she did. She recognized that there was a move of God going on around. Sometimes, let me just tell you, sometimes when you're in the middle of it, all you notice is the lights aren't working, and come on, the microphones are cutting out, and, and we're going through all of this stuff. But when people walk from the outside into here, they say, Pastor, I want to let you know that the Holy Spirit is moving in that place. 
I want to let you know that when I walked in here, God started talking to me and I started weeping over something. That's not something you can manufacture with a keyboard or with a light or a microphone. That's something that only the Holy Spirit can take care of. We have people that are getting saved in the back row. We got people that are getting saved in the front row. We got people that are getting saved. You may not see the altars filled, but the, the Spirit of God is moving. So sometimes we have to be, we have to allow Him. When we trust God, we have to know that He's already gone before us. He had already set this plan in motion. He had already done everything that He could. Four years, three or four years ago, when we were when we were building this thing or doing what I didn't build much of it. I'm not Bob the Builder or anything, but. I, when we seen it, we couldn't see where we are now, two services. We couldn't see that we had to go to two services because we were extending all the way back out to the curtains out there. We couldn't see all of those things. But God has already gone before us in that. And I got news for you. You might be going through something right now, but God has already set the path in front of you. He's already made the crooked ways straight. He's already made the rough ways smooth. He's already done those things. Aren't you so glad that God has went before you already in your life? Can you think about some times when you figured, man, I don't know how in the world I got through that. Well, because God went before you and he made a way where there seemed to be no way. Can I just enlighten you all on something? I'm so tired of hearing about the devil. Y'all tired of hearing about the devil? I'm, hard, I'm tired of hearing the devil getting all the praise and all oh, the devil this and the devil that and all that. The devil is more afraid of you and afraid of me than we think he is. When we get united and we start going forward into what God wants us to do, we make him shudder and we make him shake. So let's just, so let's just bond together and make him do what we want him to do, right? Promises, of, let me go on with the story. I know I'm choppy, but here we go. Promises to save her family. She said, if you guys come in, I know something's happening. Something's gonna, something good is going on here. But will you promise to save my family when you come in? She already knew the outcome of the war. She already knew the, the, what was going to happen in the thing even way before they did. Verse 15. Listen to this. Then she let them down by a rope through the window, for her house was on the city wall. Say city wall. City wall. Where was her house? Okay. She dwelt on the wall. So they said, go back and report that the city is ours. So let me go to chapter 6, verse 1. They're going in. He says, now Jericho was securely shut up because of the children of Israel. Nobody came in and nobody went out. The enemy is always trying to intimidate us. He's always trying to get us to see the big walls that are in front of us. He's always trying to get us to see the, the impossibilities. He's always trying to get us to just give up because you can't do this. And here's the thing that he does sometimes, a lot of times, is he tries to start thinking of the plan. Somebody's alarm's going off. He starts letting us think about the plan, and he says, man, that's a dumb plan. Have you ever had the enemy come in and start speaking into your mind, and all of a sudden, all the things that God told you he was going to do, all the things that he said and the promises his, that still stand, all the things he comes in and he tells you, that's a dumb plan. That plan ain't never going to work for you because of this and because of that. Well, let me tell you the plan here. Here we go. Here's, a, here's another part of the plan. These particular people were trained soldiers, but they weren't tested. They were trained. They knew how to throw a spear and shoot a bow and arrow, but they had never been in a real battle up until this point. 
So God was taking them. Sometimes God is going to use you in your training period that you're in right now. Maybe you feel like, man, I'm just not being used. I'm not. God has got you in a place right now where he's trying to teach you something. He's trying to show you how to shoot that bow. He's trying to show you how to read your Bible. He's trying to show you how to pray because there is a testing coming that you're going to need to be trained for. So here we go. Here's the plan. This is a good one. Listen, now put yourself in their mindset. Joshua, you're about to give us this great military battle plan, right? Here's the plan. You shall march around the city walls, all you men of war. You shall go around it, the city, once. This you're going to do for six days. So we're going to walk around the city for six days. Verse 4, And the seven priests shall bear trumpets of ram horns before the ark, but the seventh day you're going to march around the city seven times, and the priests shall blow their trumpets. Verse 5, and it shall come to pass. Anytime the Bible says it shall come to pass, you need to pay attention because there is something in your life that is going to come to pass if you'll pay attention to it. When you make a long blast from the ram's horn, and when you hear the sound of the trumpet, that all the people shall shout with a great shout, say, then. Then, then the walls of the cities will fall flat, and the people shall go up every man straight before him. Okay, here's the plan. We're going to line up a lot of people. We're going to blow some horns. We're going to shout. Kind of reminds me of some old uh, some churches I've been to before I grew up in. You know, they'd have the shofar going, and they'd be running around the church and jumping over the pews. And, and so that reminds me of what it is here. But I want you to line up and march. But you're not going to see anything happen for six days. Think about it. You're not going to see anything happen for six days. Isn't that the way that we feel sometimes when we don't see anything happening or moving in our lives? We think, man, alive, I've been praying and I just don't see nothing happening, God. I've been reading my Bible and I don't understand what's going on. If you're reading the King James Version, let me get you a new Bible because that one's kind of hard to understand. <laughs> I'm raising my kids and they're still acting cray-cray. Anybody got any of those out there? Don't raise your hand. Oh, okay, we got We did have some proud parents. Like, yeah, that's my crazy kids. <laughs> but I'm raising my kids and they're acting crazy. Our finances, you know what? My finances are just crazy right now. I got a flat tire. My transmission went out of my, in my car. I got a doctor bill that I didn't know I was going to get. What motivates you and what motivated them to keep walking around that place? Here's what I picture. They started walking around the walls of Jericho, and, and what could have motivated them a little bit is if they walked around that first day, and after the second day, they saw a little crack. Oh, wait a minute. I didn't see that one yesterday. Hey, check it out, Bob. There is a crack in the wall. Look over. Bob the Builder, I got that on my brain. There's a crack. And then they walked around. Uh, maybe they walked around the third day, and then they saw a brick laying on the ground, or they saw a stone laying down. All right, we got motivated to walk. We're going to keep walking because we see something happening. And look at the cracks, and look at the brocks, and look at all of these things. But will you keep walking even if it's not working? Will you keep moving even when you don't see God move? How about a couple of stones falling? You know, I got to see something, God, before I'm going to keep this up. I got to see something. Will you keep marching even when you don't see the stones fall? Will you do God's will even if it doesn't work? 
Come on, sometimes God's will is a little weird. This plan is like, okay, we're going to march around, we're going to blow horns, and it's going to come down. Will you forgive even if they don't? Oh, that's a big one. If, it, if it's not reciprocated, are you going to forgive someone that you've been holding a grudge for? Will you believe in when, even when you don't see it? Sometimes God asks us in faith to see things even though he hasn't produced it yet. Will you go when God says, when it looks impossible and you don't feel like anybody's going with you? That's the biggest thing. It's not just going, it's getting people to go with you. What, what, did, the, what did the people of Jericho think about these crazy people? They're, they're probably standing up on the wall watching these, watching 40 to 60, 100,000 people walk around a wall. They were probably saying, man, these people done lost their mind. Will you go when nobody else thinks you're crazy, when everybody else thinks you're crazy? There's been a few times when, when we've went and said, they said, you can't do that or you'll never be successful at that. Well, I'm so glad that we didn't listen to the haters. I'm so glad we didn't listen to the doubters. I'm so glad we didn't listen to the naysayers, you know, because y'all know there's a few of them out there, right? But will you pray when it's hard? Prayer does not always give you immediate results. Come on. If prayer gave you immediate results, you'd be praying all of the time. You'd be praying walking into telephone poles. You'd be praying almost killing yourself in your car. You'd be praying at the office. They'd be saying, that guy really is crazy. Because if they answered all of them in your timing right now, you'd pray all the time. Will you still pray when you don't see anything happen? Will you still go when you don't see anything happening around you? Will you still believe when it looks impossible to anything else? I'm going to ask the team to come up because this is my first close. We got about 10 minutes left on this close. Three more closings. Here we go. Here's more of the plan. You got to understand this plan. Verse 10. Now Joshua had, had commanded the people saying, listen to this, you shall not shout or make any noise with your mouth, nor shall a word proceed out of your mouth until the day that I say shout. Then you're going to shout. God's plan don't make sense. Line up, march around, and keep quiet. You had 40,000 to 600,000 people marching around this wall without saying a word, and we can't even have a meeting with 10 people and nobody will shut their mouth. That was funnier than that. Have you all ever tried to have a meeting with, with people and you're just trying to get them to be quiet or right before service and five people talking? We had a multitude of people walking around there not, not saying a word. Sometimes I think this. I think that we need to just be able to keep our mouth shut for a minute. I think a lot of times the problems that we run into is your words can cost you a victory. A lot of times when we, we just want to run our mouths and we just want to have our own little agenda and do the things that we do, but God was trying to get them to understand that the words that you are speaking are not going to tear these walls down until I tell you to speak them. Come on, anybody ever been around someone before and you're just like, you're killing me, Smalls. You got to be quiet for just a minute and let me talk. I used to be that guy. I'm, I'm kind of letting people talk a little bit more. Sometimes you just got to shut your mouth. And you got to take action. But pastor, I'm not making progress. Bible says if you're in the process, you're making progress. 
Bible may not say that. Richard's Bible did. If you're in the process, you're making progress. The Bible says you've got to walk by faith and not by sight. When you don't see it, sometimes you just got to walk it. Sometimes you've got to get in that situation and you just got to walk and believe. Walk and believe. And walk and believe. But God, I don't see it. Walk. God, I don't see it. Then you'll start seeing maybe a, a stone start falling. Walk and believe and walk and believe. So many times we get stuck in the middle of walking and we try to believe and the enemy comes in like he comes in and he starts giving us all of these doubts saying you'll never do that. Walk and believe and have faith that God has the other side already planned out for you. For goodness sake, don't stop at six. Don't stop at six. You know, six is the number of man. Seven is the number of completion. So many times in our life, we stop at six and we're like, why didn't I get that? Why couldn't I go there? What, why didn't this happen? Because you stopped at six. I got news for you today. Seven is a day. It's your day. Seven is the day right now that God says, if you don't stop at six, I'm about to show you that the walls are going to come down. Verse 20. So the people shouted... When the priests blew the trumpets. And it happened when the people heard the sound, say sound, of the trumpet, that the people shouted with a great shout. And the walls fell down flat. Some say it was an earthquake. I say that's a miracle. You know what? That was an awesome miracle that when they shouted, an earthquake came down and all of the walls, what a coincidence. Thank you, Jesus. There is something about a shout. There is something about a praise. Acts 2, 2 says this. And then suddenly there came a sound from heaven. There was a sound from heaven that came in Acts that changed the whole culture of the world. As of a mighty rushing wind. And it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Our praise is a weapon. You don't just stand up here and sing songs on Sunday. You don't just put your radio dial on the good Christian radio station because it sounds good. Your praise is a weapon. Worship is our warfare. When you're going through something in your life and you don't know how to get through it, then praise your way through it. you got to start worshiping God when you don't see it, when you don't feel it, when it doesn't look right. you got to start doing it, and you'll start seeing those walls all start tumbling down. Let me tell you about These weren't just any walls. These walls were four feet thick in some places. They were 17 feet tall. And I like in verse 20, it said they fell what? Flat. Here's what I love about that. They didn't have to climb over it. They didn't have to trip over it. They fell flat. And they went straight. The devil wants you to always see the rubble that's left behind when your walls fall. He wants you to see all of the calamity and all the junk that's around you. But when he said these walls fell flat, I believe they walked straight over into the things. What they did, he's always trying to trip you up. And I'm going to tell you one thing right now. He's taking the obstacles out of your way. Let's look what God does here. Verse 22. But Joshua said, had said to the two men who had spied out the country, go into the harlot's house. Remember her? And from there, bring out the woman and all that she has. Remember earlier I said, where was her house? Verse 
I mean, chapter 2, verse 50, for her house was on the city wall. She dwelt on the wall. What did he just say in verse 22? Go into the harlot's house. He didn't say go into her rubble. He didn't say go into her mess. He didn't say go into that thing that's falling all apart all around her. He says go into her house and get her. I got news for you. Everything might be falling down around you. Everything might be falling all down around her. But I got a picture in my mind when them walls started coming down, her house went plop. How impossible is that? She walked right out of that house because her house was intact. When you're in covenant with God, God will keep you intact when the enemy comes in and starts throwing everything at you. Her life and her family's life was changed because she said yes. She didn't have it all together. She was a harlot. They had already closed the book on her. They would already said she's unredeemable and all of the things that were going on. But God is the one... Because she said yes, God took her to a new place she'd never been. Let's all stand to our feet this morning. I'm going to ask you a question. Do you feel like you've hit the wall? Maybe if all of us in here would be honest, in our spiritual life, sometimes we feel like we've hit the wall. Maybe it's the wall that you built your own self. There are walls in our lives that we have built and we've created and we've done. But the first wall that I really think that God wants to tear down is that wall of separation. Can I just tell you this? Sin separates you from God. If you come to this church long enough, you will hear about sin and and the consequences and the things that because I believe that is what the church needs right now. But sin will separate you from having the relationship that God wants to be. Sometimes our own lives build walls up. Sometimes God is standing on the other side of that wall. He's like, man, I really want to tear that thing down. But you keep, oh, help me. You keep putting brick by brick and you throw a little more mortar up there and you're going a little bit higher and a little bit higher. God says right right now, this morning, I want to break down that separation between me and you because that's what he wants. Do you know he wants a relationship with you? He doesn't want you to come to church, but come to church. He doesn't want you to do all of the Christian things that you're supposed to do. He wants you to get up in the morning and say, God, I'm here. I don't know what this day is, but I want to be with you and I want to walk with you. It says they utterly destroyed and they burned everything in that city. You can't let things live in your life. There are things in your life right now that God's already said, I'm trying to kill it and you keep giving CPR to it. I'm trying to kill it, and you keep putting it on a stretcher. I'm trying to kill it, and the ambulance is being called every time I try to kill it. Jesus is the only way. The second wall that I see God is the past. Maybe that wall was built for you. Maybe you didn't have anything to do with building that wall. You just got it built for you. But God wants to flatten some walls today, those walls of addiction, those walls of depression, those walls of pain, those walls of anger and hurt. And I'm going to leave you with this right here. Maybe you've never had that relationship with Jesus. Maybe that separation is because you've never made that choice. Today, the Bible says today is the day of salvation. Not tomorrow, not next week. Let me just be honest with you. You're not guaranteed you'll walk out here tomorrow, I mean, in the next 30 minutes and 
you're not guaranteed anything. God has to tear some things down in your life in order to build some things up. There are some things that he needs to flatten, to get rid of, to help you, and you have to be a part of that. Listen, God ain't going to do it all for you. He, he expects us to work with him. Let him tear down everything that you've been trying to build and keep. Thank you for listening to the Big Church Podcast. If you enjoyed today's message, we would love to hear from you. You can find us on Instagram and Facebook at MyBigChurch and on the web at MyBigChurch.com. If you live in the Louisville area and you don't have a church you call home, we would love for you to be our guest during one of our Sunday services at 945 or 1130 a.m. Please join us again next time for an exciting message from one of our pastors on the Big Church Podcast. 